you are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Big Ten Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. It is Thursday, October 29th, and today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. You know where this is going. All the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto. Shout out to rockauto.com, today's episode sponsor. And the guy that just heard me sing that jingle, joining me from the jump of today's episode, it is Asher Lowe, the host of Locked On Badgers. Asher, normally my Thursday episodes throughout the Big Ten season will be a twofer episode where we preview the biggest game of the weekend. We have two guests coming, but today's episode is now a threefer because we need to get to the breaking news that came out on Wednesday afternoon about the Wisconsin Badgers football program and them shutting down for a week in their game this upcoming Saturday being canceled against Nebraska. Asher has been on top of it from the very beginning. He has been keeping you informed on Twitter.com in a clear and concise manner, keeping everybody engaged with what we need to know about Big Ten football in Wisconsin for this upcoming weekend. So Asher, as we learned today, Wisconsin's upcoming game against Nebraska has been canceled. Wisconsin itself has shut down operations for the next week. How did you find all of this out? And what do we know as of right now? So the official cancellation came in. That was not like a, that was about the only thing all week that wasn't a leak. That was the only thing the university actually said. They emailed all of us this morning and said that the game is being canceled against Nebraska. They made clear, they weren't entirely clear then, but now we know because of the press conference later today that that was a university decision in conjunction with the Big Ten, but it was a university decision primarily made by Chancellor Rebecca Blank, Barry Alvarez, the Don, them together along with the Big Ten made that decision. But Wisconsin had the final say because the Badgers were not in the red red, which I'm sure you've talked about this in the podcast at some point. Right. With yeah. The all the colors, but the red red means you have to mandatorily stop for seven days. Wisconsin was almost there but not quite there. They had six players and six coaches test positive. That's what we heard from the university. 12 total as of Wednesday morning. That could already be different. It's Wednesday evening. It's a changing thing every single day. They've had more tests every single day done. Not saying more positive, negative, but I'm just saying they've been testing every day, obviously, as the Big Ten has done. So that could be changing. They're in quarantine right now in hotel rooms. And if you think that's like all bougie and stuff, that's actually exactly what Wisconsin did for the freshmen too, like the dorm freshmen. Mm-hmm. They basically removed them in isolation when they would have a COVID test. So that's been the university's policy for basically any student, not just football players. And that's basically where we stand right now. So instead of it being red, red, it's orange, red, mm-hmm. but because it was so close to red, red, Barry Alvarez red, made the, what I believe is the right decision and tried to stop the spread the worst before Wisconsin was really, really out of it in terms of playing more big 10 games this year and playing hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Right. As we discussed on yesterday's episode, we went over some of those thresholds for the test positivity rate. It has to be over 5%. And for the population positivity rate, it has to be greater than seven and a half percent. They are in the red in the population positivity because as Asher just lifted listed 12 positive tests within the Wisconsin football program out of a total of 146 coaches, players, and support staff. That gets you to about 8.2 if we're doing the math. So that is the positivity population rate and that is in the red but the orange in the test positivity rate is based on a seven-day rolling average so they did not get there yet so this is where we stand we know that nebraska and wisconsin has been canceled and will not be 
made up for Saturday's game. It has been deemed a no contest by the Big Ten Conference. And now Wisconsin has shut down operations for the next seven days. So, Asher, my question to you being this. What does Wisconsin need to do over these next few days so that they can play next week in week number three against Purdue? So there isn't really a clear answer in terms of how many tests do they have to have positive negative, like because they're not in red, red, obviously if they got to red, red in the next couple of days, then it's obvious from that time they get to red, red, they can't wait for seven more days right now. It's just seven days minimum. And they'll see if they can stop the spread. If they do stop the spread and if players and coaches recover, I think Wisconsin has a good shot to play against Purdue. I mean, you got three days there, which is obviously not ideal by any means, but you have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for Wisconsin to prepare for Purdue on Saturday. Barry was saying today that, you know, you're not ruling it out playing Purdue. I definitely think the game's in jeopardy. Obviously, how could it not be? Right. Right. Especially if we find out that Wisconsin and they're very close right now does get into that red, red threshold and, my, I'm not I'm not a math major. I haven't taken a math class in years, and that's why I messed up that seven-day rolling average for the test positivity percentage, which right. is kind of a hard number to calculate. Then the it's pretty easy to calculate. Okay, you have ten tests, hundred people, ten percent. Cool. Right. But this one's a little more complicated because you don't know how many tests have been administered and whatnot over seven days. So it's a little more complicated. That is in orange right now, not red. So I think that has to stay in orange, and I think the red number has to come down to orange. And it's we're talking colors about this, isn't it? It's like kind of right. kind of strange. Like it's got to go from red to orange, right? But as if like we know what that means. You got to stop the spread. That's number one. And then hopefully there's enough time for this team to get ready. I think one of the things that came out of the reaction to today's news was a lot of people looking back at the beginning parts of August and blaming the Big Ten for postponing the season then and then reinstating it a month later in September 16th and trying to play this eight games in eight-week schedule with zero flexibility. Absolutely. We can be mad about that, sure. We can be upset that the Big Ten even postponed the season in the first place and didn't just wait a couple of weeks, ergo the SEC, to play in the later portion of September and then still have that built-in flexibility that they had with the initial conference-only schedule on August 5th. All of that is true, and we can feel the way we feel. But where we are right now as we sit here on Thursday, October 29th, is the fact that we have one program, being Wisconsin, who has shut down operations for seven days, and we have 13 other Big Ten programs that are still proceeding on as scheduled. So, yes, there is a negative thing, but this does not mean it is doomsday for the Big Ten. And as Asher just alluded to, Barry Alvarez, Becky Blank, and all of Wisconsin football taking the precaution now to make sure they can stay healthy so that this is not an ongoing thing. This is not hopefully a multiple week thing. And it's just this Saturday, which is upsetting, of course, for the Huskers who are preparing for this game and has followed everything they've needed to do. But we are trying to make sure that we can play the most games we play in this Big Ten season. The game between Wisconsin and Nebraska deemed a no contest, but we are hoping that this will just be it and we can move forward. This is what we are going to deal with in the 2020 Big Ten season. Asher, some of your overall thoughts as you saw this play out over the last couple of days. And obviously, let's discuss the idea of that 21-day return to competition for the players that have tested positive, mainly being Graham Mertz and his backup, Chase Wolf. So two pieces of good news. About some, well, this might not be doomsday. There's still opportunities here for Wisconsin to play in a week, and the Big Ten's not done, right? We're not canceling everything. It's not done. Right. Two pieces of news about that. First of all, Illinois has had no positive tests, which True. is a great sign, considering that I'm not a doctor, obviously, but everything we've heard about this disease, if you test positive on Saturday, which Graham Mertz did per the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, mm-hmm. then you have it on Friday in the game. 
I mean, there's, there's not really a way. I don't, I don't see much of a way. You have to be very lucky. Well, not lucky, I guess, but like, you have to be very, there's not like a time period there, right? Like, you have right. to be. The incubation period for this virus can out. take up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's a really good sign that Illinois has had no new positive tests. They obviously played Wisconsin on Friday. And Ross Dellinger reported, and I, I know you saw this, we talked about it before we started recording, but he reported that the heart issues that they were worried about has not been a problem so far with players that have tested positive, and they're considering changing that policy around just to be a part of the equation when players test positive or not. At least I'm not 100% sure about the changes, but not at least having the same cardiology policy they have right now, which is a very strict one right? and has been a strict one since they came back. With Graham Mertz, this has been a, I've actually seen multiple like big reporters report this differently, but I'm pretty confident that this is the scenario. For Mertz, we know he tested positive on Saturday at first. That starts right. the clock of 21 days. It's right. that first test. And that would mean he's back on Friday before the Michigan game. Day before the Michigan game, November 13th, but not back like he can leave his quarantine then. That just means he can return to game action. Right. He can be back as soon as that week, that whole game week. So he can prep that whole game week. And that right now is based on the cardiology exam and right. based on his testing. But he could return, play that whole game week, practice, and play on Saturday against Michigan in that game. Chase Wolf, we don't know his timeline yet. We don't know his right. first test time. So that's why we're confused there. With head coaches, Paul Christ obviously tested positive. That's a 10-day mandatory timeline and not a 21-day mandatory timeline to return to action. So that's where we stand right now. Right. As we know, with Purdue's head coach, Jeff Brom, he will be on the sidelines for the Boilermakers game this upcoming Saturday. Now, as we discuss all of this, two final points I want to make, and then we will let Asher go here and we will move on to our two for real episode previewing Ohio State and Penn State and get to the six other great games that we have for this upcoming weekend. A lot of people were saying it was doomsday. You had certain big name reporters saying Wisconsin won't field a team and play again until Thanksgiving. That is not the case. Let us slow our roll and let us understand truly what we have. Asher is giving you great information. I have tried to do the same about what the Big Ten thresholds have to say. And one final point on that Ross Dellinger report from Sports Illustrated with actual medical professionals saying in what they've studied with athletes that have shown mild symptoms of the coronavirus in terms of their heart issues afterward, there has been little to zero indication there is any long-term effects. That will go into the cardiac registry in that 21-day return to competition. And Barry Alvarez made mention of that today, or on Wednesday, rather, during his press conference for Wisconsin. And Barry Alvarez, of course, was one of the heads of the return to competition task force that was part of reinstating this Big Ten football season. They're evaluating that idea of 21 days. Nothing has been changed yet. It might not be changed, but they are taking all of this into consideration. Because again, folks, when you're studying something called a novel coronavirus, you have much much to learn, and it is always a fluid, adaptable situation. Asher, your final point here, because you've been covering this story so, so well. Wisconsin was not transparent at all, and I can't say I'm like surprised by that, but there was no transparency, Ben, and that was tough. It was tough to have to piece this together based on leaks, and I don't even feel like there were that many reporters doing it. Like I feel like it was really just Jeff Patrikas at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and like waiting for him to say something, confirm something. Mm -hmm. The school would say nothing. They released a depth chart on Monday night that was just BS. And like, yeah. and honestly, it almost felt like a slap in the face. It's like, like are you serious? Like, like really? Um, they can't release names. I get that. But they can release numbers. They released numbers today. Uh, right. They did it the last two days. But instead, they waited. And I, I don't fully know why. But there was a huge lack of transparency there. I actually did, did feel, though, that Barry Alvarez today 
was pretty transparent in this press mm-hmm. conference and said some things that I believe. I do think there's a real chance Wisconsin plays Michigan. I do think the Purdue game is in jeopardy, but I think there's still a small chance that that game is played. So I wouldn't hit the panic button quite yet. And I do believe that I do believe Barry Alvarez. I do believe Wisconsin football in saying that there is a good chance that this team gets back on the field. Absolutely. And again, Follow the updates as we will provide them. Asher Lowe from Locked On Badgers will be doing that. I will be doing the same here on Locked On Big Ten. As Asher alluded to right there, do not hit the panic button just yet. We are in this situation. We knew this would be a part of the 2020 Big Ten season. There was one program that uh, that has struggled. I think they were trying to get their ducks in a row, and that's maybe why they weren't so public initially, because you don't want to be the first program dealing with this. There's one program that is struggling in Wisconsin right now, but they're trying to rectify things. There are 13 other programs across the conference that at this moment are doing well. And that is where we stand at the moment. Don't say it's doomsday. Don't hit the panic button. We will adapt and we will continue on with this 2020 Big Ten season. Asher Lowe, the host of Locked On Badgers, keeping you locked and loaded with everything you need to know about this developing situation on his podcast and on Twitter at ALO underscore 33. Asher, thank you as always for your time. Thank you, Ben. All right, so a lot to unpack there with Asher Lowe. A lot to unpack when it comes to the entire Big Ten slate for this weekend. These days, now that we are in the middle of Big Ten football season, we will be on the go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all of the time. So when I need to chill out, when I get to the weekend and I'm watching my Big Ten football on TV, there's only one beer that I go to. There's only one beer out there that is literally made to chill, and that is Coors Light. I love Coors Light because it calms me down, truly. I sit there and I crack that open. It's like soothing for me. It's therapeutic. It's like walking into the middle of a meadow on a sunshiny day and just feeling the wind breeze past your face and everything is calm. That is how I feel when I drink Coors Light. I could also have painted that picture in the Rocky Mountains because Coors Light's cold lagered, cold filtered, cold packaged DNA is built from the Rockies. Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado literally infuses mountain cold water into its beer. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. When I need to unwind, I choose Coors Light. It is the beer that is literally made to chill. Coors is the one I choose when I need to sit back, relax, and enjoy some Big Ten football. So when you want to hit that same reset button, when you're watching your Big Ten football teams, when you're watching your college football throughout the weekend, reach for the beer that is made to chill, and that is Coors Light. And you don't have to reach far because Coors will deliver it directly to your door. You can get Coors Light in a new look delivered straight to you at get.coorslight.com. Again, because that is such a sweet deal, get Coors Light in a new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Only two more days until we get to the second weekend of Big Ten football. Scratch that, like 24 hours. We got another Friday night game. Come on, Ben. You got to know this stuff. And we will be celebrating responsibly. We will be enjoying our Big Ten football. And we will be doing it all with the beer that is made to chill, Coors Light. You know what else keeps you feeling like you're on the go, 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 like you're always moving? Trying to make repairs to your car. Trying to find the right pieces and the parts for your car. With a number of makes and models all across and you trying to figure out what works best for you, you know what keeps you chill? Kind of like that Coors Light. You know what keeps you not on the go, go, go? You know what makes it so simple is the convenient self-service you receive at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. So many makes, so many models. What works best for this car? I've had it for a few years. I don't want to spend a ton on parts. You never need to at rockauto.com because the prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. And they have everything. I mean everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic or daily driver. 
whether it's for a car that's been in your garage for 15 years or one you just drove off the lot, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you here from the Locked On Podcast Network. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto. The jingle is good, man. The jingle is good week in and week out. That's how I feel when we have Big Ten football. Shout out to rockauto.com. And now very pleased to welcome on to the Locked On Big Ten podcast. It is the man with the same last name as mine, just a slightly different spelling. It is our host of Locked On Buckeyes. It is Jay Stevens. Jay, great to have you here on the Locked On Big Ten show. We are going to preview the Ohio State and Penn State matchup on Saturday night and get your perspective from how the Buckeyes are looking at things. But first and foremost, thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. It is great to have you here. Let's look back before we get to week two, to week one in Ohio State's impressive win over Nebraska in the opener. How impressed were you by what you saw from Ohio State this past Saturday? I was very impressed. Um, Can't go any further than looking at the quarterback, the guy that leads the offense with the team only goes as far as Justin Fields goes now. Buckeye fans know you have a Cardo Jones, a JT Barrett, where they – Won the won the national championship where either one of them were the starters before the season, so you have that in your back pocket. But everybody knows Justin Fields is the man. And aside from the stat sheet, he looked really, really good. What he did in the film room and what I saw, he had he made a comment about how he was asking why in film sessions to Ryan Day, why is this play being called? Why are you doing this? Why, why, why are we as a team doing this in this moment, in this game, at this part of the field? Why, why, why? I liken it to a kid asking his parent why numerous times over and over and over. Well, if a kid asks why, it's annoying. But when you're starting quarterback who's a Heisman finalist, who's going to be a high, projected to be a Heisman finalist this year, projected to be a top 10, top five pick next year in the NFL draft, asking why is very important. And that's the one thing that sticks out to me. As he play of Justin, Justin Fields, him asking why, that showed up very quickly during the first drive and pr- drives after that, him asking why things are going on, it was put on front street. And the offense had a couple, had some hiccups, but it's game number one. But Fields did what he did to push the team to score 52 points in the game. 45, the backup quarterback scored the last seven. I got, I got to be accurate. Yeah, you do. But hey, the curiosity is very important. If he's asking why, it's because he wants to be understanding of the game plan and the functioning of it, not just hearing the play call and being like, all right, let's execute. But why are we doing this here to further execute and make sure they are doing the absolute best they can? You say, don't look at the stat sheet, or at least the stat sheet doesn't tell the whole story, but that stat sheet is fantastic. 20 of 21, 276 yards through the air, two touchdown passes, and then 54 more on the ground and a great spinning touchdown into the end zone. But I'm going to nitpick just slightly. If I can find any kind of question mark from Ohio State from this past Saturday. The ground game was slightly concerning. Those 54 rush yards that Justin Fields had, he was the Buckeyes' leading rusher. Are you concerned at all by what you saw out of the ground game from the Buckeyes this past Saturday? No. From two aspects, because I think it's two aspects there. The aspect that I say no of, the offensive line did have issues in run blocking early in the game. They kind of got a a kind of fix later on, but they didn't run the ball like you would expect them to. I believe the O-line will get get it fixed. The concern that I do have is the running backs. Who's going to be your starter? Who's going to be your backup? 
What's the what's the pitch count? How many carries are they going to get? When will those carries come so they can get their rhythm down? That's where the concern comes in. Because if you're Trey Sermon, you come in, I'm the starter. I don't start week one. If I'm Master Teague, I'm the backup, but I'm the starter week two. Am I going to start again or am I going to be the backup? What's going to happen? That's where the that's where the cause for concern comes into me is the rotation. I do understand it's week one. I'll make this very, very brief. Week one with a different offseason, different preparation, you don't get to – do the things that you normally get to do. And maybe Ryan Day was saving all of the – he was very vanilla during week one. Maybe week two we'll see more of what Ryan Day will do with the running game because it is, in most people's eyes, the biggest game, not of the weekend, it's the biggest game of the weekend, but many people's right. eyes, the biggest game of the year in the Big Ten. Maybe we'll see more of the true running game from the Buckeyes this weekend. I think that's an incredible point that you made right there. Not showing all of his cards week one in a game they knew they would handle Nebraska, and they certainly did, winning 52-17. to 17. And now the focus, as it was throughout the entire offseason leading up to this schedule, since the Big Ten reinstated its season in the middle of September, was the focus on week number two, the battle against Penn State. It has lost a little bit of luster after the Nittany Lions were upset by Indiana this past Saturday, but still a top-20 matchup, the third-ranked Buckeyes, the 18th-ranked Nittany Lions. Anytime you play in Happy Valley in State College. Sure, we don't get the whiteout, but the excitement is there. ABC Primetime, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Jay, give me a key matchup you're looking forward to in this game between Penn State and Ohio State. Key matchup. How about we go this? The linebackers and how they combat the running backs of the of, of Penn State. And you say, why the running backs? Well, we I, well, Journey Brown, starting running back, was listed out before the season. Noah Kane got hurt in the Indiana game. You are, and now you're back to your third string running back, Devin Ford, for the Nittany Lions, who already is the first guy to have a 100 yard rushing game in the season opener as a freshman, I think since the 70s. So mm-hmm. he's not like, a, he's not a guy that's not out there, doesn't get run. He does return kicks for them as well. So he's going to be, he's going to be coming in feisty, ready, firing on all cylinders. Why? Because he has nothing to lose. I mean, what, what, he's a third-string running back. He's coming in. Ohio State's linebackers showed issues, showed that they had some issues last week. You have linebackers on the outside linebackers swapping positions. So right. that's a new thing for them. You have a guy on running back, running back position, Devin Ford, who's chopping at the bit at this moment. Hey, y'all, I know the guys that were in front of me are hurt or they're down right now. This is my time to shine. Those linebackers don't read as if the D line does what they do, and they stalemate those old those blocks via the O line. If the linebackers are not reading and reacting properly and shooting the gap, Devin Ford and Sean Clifford will have, could possibly have a long, good game running the ball against the Buckeyes. That's the one thing. That's one of the things I'm thinking about. Linebackers, you guys have to react and be very, very quick and decisive via the running game. Because I don't want to see Devin Ford getting off, Sean Clifford getting off. They'll start talking trash. And you know they have to bring their own energy with there not being 100,000-plus there in the stadium Saturday night. Another great point by you, and this is why we come to the host of Locked On Buckeyes for this expert analysis, because at times, especially early in that first half, Nebraska was successful in that spread RPO game, both Adrian Martinez, Diedrich Mills, even Luke McCaffrey at times, taking advantage of some gaps in the Ohio State defense. And when you have Sean Clifford, who showed on Saturday against Indiana, he can certainly use his legs. And Devin Ford, aside from the mental mistake late in that fourth quarter, is a talented running back. So that could be an area Penn State looks to expose the Buckeyes. These matchups in the last 
last recent history have been close. Two of the last three decided by one single point. So, Jay Stevens, I ask you, what is your game prediction for Saturday night between the third-ranked Buckeyes and the 18th-ranked Nittany Lions? I got the Buckeyes winning by, I'm going to say, I know it's. I know I'm recording this a uh, few days before the, the, the game, so I do have the liberty to change that. But, Ben, I'm going to go on the limb and say Buckeyes win by 10. Um, I believe they have the ability to win by 14 plus. I'm not saying they don't. I do believe that. But my hesitation is Devin Ford. My hesitation is those linebackers that I talked about earlier. My hesitation is the defensive ends that showed issues. The D-line that showed issues early in the game. That's my hesitation. One more, Pat Fryermuth. I think that some, some one of those combinations in the first half, you may see a touchdown or two from someone from Penn State on that side of the ball. I know Ohio State's the more talented team. I understand that. But Penn State's loaded. They have talent on all on both sides of the ball. And that's where the hesitation comes into. I know it can't be a 14, maybe 21-point win just based off talent. But like we talked about this whole entire time, big-time matchups, players rise to the occasion, and I expect that from both teams. And I expect Devin Ford to have a good game. I won't know if he'll have a monster game, but a good game in a sense that He'll put the Buckeyes in, situ- in a situation that they didn't expect to be in at any point during the game. The expert breakdown from the perspective of Ohio State. That's why we come to Jay Stevens, and that's why you should listen to Locked On Buckeyes as soon as you are done here for even more previews and more predictions and more game analysis leading up to Saturday's primetime matchup between Ohio State and Penn State. Jay, thank you very much for your time. That was great stuff, my man. Yes, sir. Thanks, Ben. I really appreciate it. So that the perspective from the Ohio State Buckeyes point of view on the other side of the break, we head to Happy Valley. We head to State College and hear what Penn State has its eye on for this upcoming weekend. That's all coming up next. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And now for the Penn State perspective, we are joined by the host of Locked On Nittany Lions. It is our good friend on this program, Kevin McGuire, back to give you how the Nittany Lions are looking to this huge matchup on Saturday night against Ohio State. First and foremost, though, Kevin, great to see you. Great to have you back on the Locked On Big Ten show. It is always great to talk to a rising TikTok star like Big Ten Ben. (laughs) And I'm so happy to be here once again and discussing some uh, developments as far as Penn State's concerned in the Big Ten. But Ben, it is always a pleasure to join you talking some Big Ten football. I hope you know that. Thank you for bringing up my short-lived time on TikTok so far. There might be some exciting content coming in the future, but we'll stick to the Big Ten breakdowns with Big Ten Ben, and we'll see where TikTok goes. I feel way too old for that place. I'm looking at stuff. I'm like, I don't get any of this, but we're trying. You know, we're diving headfirst into this Big Ten season, and Penn State, after an upset loss in week number one, looks to bounce back week number two. But let's talk about that season opener, the huge upset for Indiana over Penn State this past Saturday. Kevin, in your mind, what went wrong for the Nittany Lions? Uh, Really, there were just so many self-inflicted errors and mistakes. Uh, A lot of things that 
should hopefully be able to be cleaned up. I, I don't know if they can clean up everything in time for this weekend's game, but you know, you're talking about turnovers, uh, you know, a couple turnovers in the first half, uh, missed field goals, including a chip shot right at the end of the, the first half, which really could have been the difference of the game. But the bottom line is you can't make mistakes in this kind of a season. I know we've talked about this before. It's a sprint right now and mm-hmm. Penn state stumbles out of the gates. So, uh, you know, when you give Indiana a four yard touchdown drive, that's generally not a good thing. And if you're going to do that to Indiana, you better hope you're not doing it against Ohio state because not to take anything away from Indiana, because they have had this kind of a win just waiting for so long. It's been kind of brewing and now finally boiled over uh, in controversial fashion. Gonna, just going to put that out there, but the history say, books will it, decide Kevin, the history books will decide that Michael right. Penix jr. Was indeed short. Yes, he was. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to that real quick, but I do want to say that you know, Penn State certainly with uh, so many questions about this offense and really taking a hit on the running back depth, which I feel like just a week and a half ago, I was telling you was going to be one of their strengengths. Uh, right, about yeah. that, uh, it's it's not necessarily least now having lost Journey Brown going into the season. Noah Kane basically doesn't play on Saturday, so now you're going with your third best running back, who in Devin Ford is still a good talented back, but uh, he can't score that touchdown at the end of the game. So that uh, goes to say so many mistakes, you know, coaching mistakes player execution mistakes, uh, quarterback decision from Sean Clifford, so many rooms, so many area for improvement that Penn State can take from that loss to Indiana. And then I just see uh, how much of that they're going to clean up in time for Ohio State. Like you mentioned, so many mistakes in that opener against the Hoosiers. What is your biggest area of concern for Penn State moving forward? It's still the wide receiver position, to be honest. And I know we've talked about this before, but that's still one of the biggest question marks I had coming into the season. I want to see some of these young wide receivers step up and develop. And I need to see that happen pretty quickly because if they do that, that all of a sudden takes some of the pressure off of Sean Clifford, who doesn't feel like he has to extend plays too much. You know, it's okay if he takes off running. Uh, we saw a lot with a 35-yard touchdown run. He, he can do some damage with his feet, but I don't want him holding on to the football longer than he really has to, especially this weekend against Ohio State. You know, this offensive line, they're going to have to protect him. And if they can give him some time to breathe, that'd be great. But I don't want him staying back there too long because the longer he stays back there, the sooner those Ohio State defensive linemen are going to come in crashing in on maybe some linebackers too. So that's when he can make some mistakes. So I do think uh, wide receiver development is still a key. I think now the running back situation is a little bit more of a concern. Mm-hmm. to see what they do moving forward again young talented inexperienced players at play here for penn state running the football so that's a lot to ask for uh with such a big game on their way uh by the way some other good teams around the big 10 that may be better than expected this year too kevin as you mentioned many times when you appeared on this show in the offseason leading up to the big 10 season getting underway as we looked at the schedule we had this game highlighted week number two ohio state and penn state as one of the biggest games for all eight weeks of this regular season sprint now that penn state lost in that season opener some of the luster is gone but still a huge matchup on saturday night what is the outlook for james franklin and company as they head into this game against the buckeyes Well, if there's one thing that can be said about the way that James Franklin guides this program is they really do buy into this whole one game at a time mentality. It sounds kind of cliche. It sounds like a typical coach speak, and it is, but it works. I think it has worked for Penn State in the past where they will have a bad loss, but they come back and they bounce back in a pretty positive way. Now, again, bouncing back is going to be a little bit different this week. I don't know if it necessarily means bouncing back with a win, but I do think you see a better performance from Penn State. I do think that the offense plays a little bit cleaner football, protects the ball much better than they did against Indiana. Not to say that they will avoid all turnovers and all mistakes, but I do think it'll be a more consistent game. Now, there were some things to like about what Penn State did against Indiana, certainly on the defensive side of the football. 
and, until that last drive in regulation. But I do think that you know it wasn't all doom and gloom in that against Indiana. So if you're James Franklin, just kind of turn the page. You know, you have some good ingredients to work with. Now you just need to figure out a different way to cook with that offense. And that's going to be the big question mark. Yeah, Shaka Tony and Jason Owe look to be living up to that billing of two of the best edge rushers in all of the Big Ten Conference. They performed well against Indiana last Saturday. So let's look ahead now to this Saturday. Really focus on the X's and O's in this game between Ohio State and Penn State. You mentioned giving Sean Clifford time to drop back and settle in and find his rhythm. Is that the key matchup you're looking at, or is there another area you have your eye on for Saturday? No, it really is the quarterback situation. And there's no comparing Sean Clifford to Justin Fields. I get that. Again, I'm not trying to compare the two of them. They're not playing against each other head to head. So I need to see what Sean Clifford's going to do against this Ohio State defense, which I think if you watch the Nebraska game last weekend, Nebraska did some things. It's certainly early on that kind of called Ohio State's defense a little off guard. Now, Ohio State eventually proved why they are Ohio State and Nebraska is Nebraska. Right. And if you're Penn State, State, you're hoping that you're not Nebraska. Maybe you're, you're a little bit closer to Ohio State. But I do think that you know, mixing things up, certainly having a mobile quarterback, I think could be an asset here. So, again, I, I don't want Sean Clifford being the leading rusher for Penn State if Penn State's going to succeed here. But I'm not afraid to use him with on the ground with his feet if necessary. And if he wants an extended play here and there doing that, that's fine with me. I think that's worth the, the risk uh, moving forward. So mixing things up a little bit offensively is going to be a key. And I guess another question is, was the offense that stale against Indiana because of what Indiana was doing? Or was it the, the cohesiveness that wasn't there because of the, the weird offseason? Not trying to make an excuse because every school had to deal with that kind of situation. But you're talking about a new offensive coordinator, new wide receivers right. coach, uh, new offensive line coach. They didn't get a whole lot of time in the offseason that you would have liked to have. So I, I expected them to be a little choppy to start the game, but now they need to adjust and figure out a way to pick up the pace a lot faster because this Ohio state team is not going to give up on them or relent. They're going to be relentless. And this is going to be a big problem for Penn state if they are choppy once again. So let's dive into Saturday. Is Penn state staring down the barrel of Owen two, or is there some chance for the Nittany lions against the Buckeyes? I think it's going to be an 0-2 start to the season, but it's going to be a mighty fine, competitive, high-spirited 0-2. And I, I say that kind of jokingly, but I do think, uh, as we've discussed the schedule, I don't know how many times, Ben, maybe three times yeah. on this podcast, right. I, I think we always said that Ohio State is going to be our pick in that game. And I've never seen a reason to change that. I certainly don't see a reason to change that, given Saturday's results, not just from Penn State, but also from Ohio State. So I'm not wavering on that. I think that Ohio State wins this game. I just want to know, is Penn State going to let Indiana beat them twice and we see a massive blowout that just gets out of control early on? Or is this a game where Penn State does step things up? And they traditionally have played Ohio State much better at home. And they've been right. there have been some really close calls. It's just a matter of Ohio State getting some of the plays they need in the second half when Penn State hasn't. So I, I do think that we see a much better performance from Penn State, certainly offensively. Again, I think the defense is going to be just fine. I just don't know if it's able to contain Ohio State enough you know eventually Justin Fields is going to make a play you right. just kind of have to live with that and you hope that it doesn't come at the most crucial point in time if you're Penn State but I do think uh, Penn State may lose this game I'm picking them to lose the game but I do think they keep it closer than a lot of people are thinking that that spreads pretty big and I get it but I do think that Penn State is very capable of covering at least that side of it 
Two of these last three matchups between the Buckeyes and the Nittany Lions have been decided by a single point. I expect a competitive game as well on Saturday night between Ohio State and Penn State in Happy Valley, in State College, no whiteout, but it will still be electric and exciting. And Penn State fans, if you're listening and thinking, oh God, 0-2, our season's over, well, at least you get Maryland week three. That's an automatic W. I'm giving that to you right now. And Great analysis, as always, by our man, Kevin McGuire, the host of Locked On Nittany Lions, coming down and breaking down this huge matchup between the third-ranked Buckeyes and the 18th-ranked Nittany Lions from the Penn State perspective. Kevin, as always, it was a pleasure. It's always my pleasure to be here, Ben. Hope you have a great weekend, and hopefully we'll do it again soon. So many thanks to Asher, many thanks to Jay, and many thanks to Kevin for coming on today's episode. What was supposed to be a two-for podcast became a three-for, but that is life in the Big Ten with storylines and games to preview. And that is the strength of the Locked On Podcast Network, being able to have these local experts across the entire Big Ten conference peeled into their school, into their program to break it down for you like no one else can. That is what we do here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and that is what we bring to you when it comes to your favorite conference every day, the Big Ten, here on the Locked On Big Ten Show. So a twofer that became a threefer. Tomorrow, just a onefer, but it will be a preview of the six games we have for this upcoming Big Ten slate. Picks, predictions, against the spread, over-unders. I promise I will do better than last weekend, but if I go 0-7 again, just fade me. And we're moving to Vegas, man, because I'm that good, because I'm that bad. But on tomorrow's episode, picks, previews, everything you need to know for the weekend slate, weekend number two of Big Ten football, that comes tomorrow. So until we preview weekend number two tomorrow, have a splendid Thursday. (laughs) 